Okay, there we go. I'm speaking to Sean Bruno, such a good friend of mine. He is also a coach and a swimming coach. I would say right now, no. Uh, he works at a school called Indian River State College. And for Jamaicans watching this, of course, he's really Jamaican. And let's just say he has been to many countries, you can put it that way, <laughs> to, to summarize it. So. <laughs> we can get into a little bit Sean but I mean uh, I know it's so long and I really in the spirit of what I'm trying to do here although this is health related I suppose this is about fitness and health and selfishly I just want to talk to you and just uh, shoot the breeze with you literally yeah of course of course far away man any kind so... of questions I'll, I'll answer when, to my comfort level you know yeah <laughs> Yeah. I have a bunch about fitness, but I have to go down uh, a little bit into some nostalgia here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Prior to your, when you went to Indian River the first time as a athlete. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was your dad I saw one day. And I think when, it could be fifth form at that point. I'm not sure the, the exact time, fifth or sixth form. I was in at campaign. Anyway, uh-huh. long and short, they, he told me that, well, you know what? Sean is being recruited or somebody or some, you had to do some time in 100 free. And he said, so I said, well, okay. And I mean, it's, uh, Sean is very talented. And your father's comment was, well, you would have to be swimming actively because at that time it was more water pool and, and riding that kind of thing. And so he was with each other. I see him doing something now since this. And um, what was interesting about that, and it's a story I tell my wife because my son, I don't think I've told this, recently started swimming. I don't know where to go. And uh-huh. I, keep, I keep telling her it's a marathon and not a swim, uh, a sprint, because you, out of our group, in my opinion, became the premier swimmer of our time. And at that time, if you remember, I mean, it was the number one thing on your mind. So your dad told me this, and I remember you had to do, if if, if, I, if I'm wrong, please correct me, it was like 5,600 free, which... Yeah, it's actually pretty close. Um, I think when when they're looking at those kind of times, they're looking at, a, 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 a we call it a walk-on standard, or at least a, a standard where they know the athlete can come in and swim to a level that's not going to get in the way of everybody. So maybe that was like a minimum standard to... To really be a uh, um, somebody that was um, a, a, a impact on the team, you'd have to go obviously a little faster. And at the time, I, I mean, I remember those those days, you know, water polo, and that was the main mm-hmm. thing for me. So, um, you know, I know that when I was like 11, 12, 13 and stuff, swimming was pretty serious. But then I I probably was the one that faded off, where guys like you and Stefan and and those guys were kind of improving a little bit. And then um, I kind of got left in the dust, I thought, but I kept the water pole open, the swimming, and it started to come back. And at that point, um, yeah, you, you, there was the opportunity to to go somewhere. Most of that came from Rachel, though, my sister, because yeah. she she was up in up at the, the college that I was looking at, and uh, I think she was putting in a good word for me, so it helped it helped helped for that. But uh, you know, there was a little bit of. What we'll say is desperation as well. I was I was going nowhere in school, uh, and and the, there was the opportunity to go, and so I, I had to jump on it. And life or death kind of situation, but not not 
not you know exactly but it was it was a desperate time to to, to swim fast so right. uh, yeah that, that, that was about the time i had to go yeah yeah, and, and uh, I remember I was at that meet and I was standing behind, beside one of our friends, Brad, one of the Bradfords. I think it's Robert Bradford. I was saying, uh-huh. boy, so he's going to go. So I so, said, whoa, we're all very impressed with that. And, you know, I, I, so I told all of the story to say that, you never know how, and uh, life is, there's a lot of serendipity in life. All sorts of things happen and uh, you end up where you end up. But I mean, that is a wonderful story that, I wonder about, and which, you know, this, I guess this is the question I'm going to have to ask you. What do you feel about that amount of training in a younger swimmer? Do you have any thoughts about that or a younger athlete? Any kind of sport for that matter? Yeah, you know, it's things that times have changed, right? I mean, when you, when you can look across the country, US or across the world, you know, to Jamaica, to Australia, to England and all that. Yeah. And I think the the philosophy on training has has evolved and trained over changed over our time of swimming. You know, we're talking thirty years ago yeah. is what what we're talking now, and then compared to now, and you have some guys like myself and and older, where you know I I was resistant to the hard training, but I do realize that at the time it was necessary. So when you're talking about the age of training, it's not so much. A volume of training, but a consistency, I think, is what's more important. And when I say consistency, you know, we a lot of the clubs in the area up, up here that I know of, you know, they have general rules if you want to be in the sort of the elite side of it. When I don't say elite, I don't mean like professional and money yes. and all. I'm talking like you know, you're talking high school, high school swimmers. When you say the elite, like a, a club will have, you know, like the club that I am involved with, uh, they have a, a a blue group, which is the six and unders, then then or the six year olds, and then you have a bronze, which is up to like twelve, and then you have a silver, sort of at twelve to fifteen, and then you have the the gold, which is like the fifteen. Yeah. And to be in the gold, that coach has kind of decided, well, I'm going to kind of make this more elitish. So if the person is not coming every day to practice, then they're not going to be in this group because they will hold back others, not because of what they can do their talent level, but because there will be a distraction when they don't show up for a couple of days and then they show up and they disappear and all that. So when you're talking about the, you know, the amount of training the kids do, I think a lot of that comes down to, to being just consistent because if you're consistent and you have a talent level, you can handle the work, you know, but if you disappeared, if you're disappearing for a couple of days here and there regularly, every time you come back, you might feel fresh, but then the next day you're tired and then the next day you're hurt. So yeah. it's it's more about consistency than 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 volume. Although, you know, depending on the sport and the the coach and the the tradition of that club, maybe mm-hmm. um, you you're going to to find that some clubs work more volume, some clubs work more um, shorter, high intensity work, uh, and then you have some clubs that have a, a good mixture of it. Uh, I mean, I I heard of a club more recently that to be in that elite group, like I'm talking, you're talking about 17 year old, you know, yes. boys and girls here. And to be in that club at that level, you actually had to be homeschooled because they were doing four or five hours of training a day. Wow. No, mind you, I, that was a rumor, but I, I heard it and I, I, I actually believe it. Um, but the reality is, is that that club has four or five members on the U S national team. You know, so yes. it's work. It's It's working for them, but maybe not for everybody. Yes, it. it I, I think that as 
Unfortunate for this sport and it's the sport I love. I feel I still call it my sport. We will always do that, right? <laughs> so yeah. I just always feel that when I look at the economic benefit that that you realize as an athlete, you know, compared to a basketball player or a baseball player where you are, it's always it's very distressing. And so I, I haven't been really in touch with the numbers I hear as a professional level. We could jump to that. Is there a way to make a living? In something like, uh, oh, I, well, it, it's hard. I tell you how you make the living is when you're talking about basketball and baseball and, and mm. even American football, yeah. those guys' number one priority and goal is to make it to the NBA or the NFL right. or or the MLB, you know, that's their priority, and then they know that the, the dollars will come. Yeah. Um, but for swimming, I think the number one priority coming out of high school, uh, it tends to be to just try to be, um, accepted into a college more importantly on a swimming scholarship and then that's your professional size that you you get in your college paid for nice. um so i think that that becomes more of a goal now beyond that there is the opportunity to make money if you're at a pretty high level when i say a pretty high level you have to be recognized as a as a, a, a an olympic finalist and depending on the country you're from as well now you're talking from you know, place like like the Caribbean or in Jamaica, and I have my history of of representing Jamaica on the financial side and and yes. the reasons that I left and went yes. to England and all that stuff. Um, but it's very difficult for for somebody from a from a smaller country or less popular where the sport is less popular to make any kind of uh, financial gain. So maybe the the the, the goal of somebody from the Caribbean or you know, might be more. I want to just go to the US and and um and get a, a an athletic scholarship. And those that make it, you know, they they there are some that make it big. I mean, right now, uh, Dylan Carter from yes, from Trinidad, from, from Trinidad. Yes. You know, I I think he's from in college. I want to say he's been out of college for quite a few years now, but he was one that got good enough that say, hey, I can do this and kept going for a number of years and all of a sudden this year is like a breakout year for him and he's made it big and there's quite a few from the Caribbean that have done that Um, from Cayman from I mean myself Janelle Aliyah you know there's a bunch of us that stuck with it for years and and did did fairly well and no no, I make that point because I agree with you, Sean. And it, it, in fact, that maybe I don't know if you if you would want to elaborate on that way. You you anybody watching this, uh, Sean went to go and swim in Great Britain, which you don't talk about a lot. But if you don't if you if you don't want to, that's cool. But what what there is a that factor is a real factor. You have to eat, mm-hmm. you have to sleep, you have to mm-hmm. rest, and the training it's very difficult. I yeah. mean, I heard. I don't know if this was accurate, but somebody told me that Phelps could do like 10,000 meters three times a day. And some of his training went, you know, in some of the heavy, heavier days. And I'm saying 10,000. We thought we were hot stuff when we did six, 7,000 meters. Yeah. Or, you know, it took us two and a half hours. Sometimes yeah. the dog tired. So I say, just thinking about other ways of it, I would say a phenomenal or the premier swimming house sport. But, Definitely, that would take some time out of day. I don't know if you could yeah. really work and do what, you, what regular talk, people do. When you're talking talking at that level, you're talking about guys whose their only job is is an athlete, all right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, to do a ten thousand meters three times a day, it, that's probably a very short period of time yeah. 
um, and it was probably more of a challenge for the mental side as well as, um, you know, just to, to really hone in the physical side. I don't think that would be something that goes on for weeks and weeks. Uh, I certainly don't think that's the case, but it's definitely doable. Uh, but, you know, like myself, if you're talking, and, and you, we'll use the example of, of Phelps doing 10,000 three times a day. Whether or not that's true, you're yeah. talking, you know, you're talking nine hours of yeah. of swimming yeah. in 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 a day where probably you're only awake 15 or 16. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that's that's a, that's a that's a lot of work. But yeah, that that kind of stuff does happen. But that's on the elite side. I mean, I remember when I was training. Um, I was post college now, so I was training full time, yeah. uh, and I think it may have even been this semester I even took off of college just to focus in on swimming prior to the '96 Olympics, yeah. where I I was counting up and I was like, man, I I actually was doing consistent activity or training focused work for I would say four to six hours a day, and that would be two training sessions plus. The additional maybe weight session or the the the, the rehab sessions or mm. you know e e massage anything yeah. you know so mm. you could you could be dedicating five six seven hours a day consistently you know at that level um, but in college you know you're toning it back to about four hours a day maybe mm -hmm. but once you get to that higher level you just have more time especially if you're funded and you have the the, the financial ability to to train. Uh, more then you're going to probably get better because you have the ability to focus in a lot more time and effort to all the things that will help you make it better so in in that time period that was you are funding yourself or because you're still at louisiana or uh so th that's where you're going to get into some stuff i might not elaborate on too much <laughs> okay, no problem, but, no but you know yeah financially that was one of the one of the bigger reasons why why i switched countries all right yeah. um and there's no there's no hide, hiding that fact but um that was a time where where i was training i had taken a semester off of college so i was supposed to graduate in the spring of 96 and i decided to take that that spring off and train full time the time to travel to compete to get the experience of racing internationally uh and you know how it was that finance you know um i had a, a father that believed in it and, yes. and um and certainly supported it uh there was no sponsorship of any kind from anybody anywhere mm. um you know obviously jamaica paid for a lot of the trips and all that um but you know the, the daily routine you know yeah. you know eating. When, when, we're not eating <laughs> yeah we're not eating bowls of you know cornflakes every day you know yes, <laughs> You know, transportation to, to these swim meets, entry fees, uh, equipment. You know, there's there's a lot of lot of stuff going on in the swimming world that, you know, people think you're just wearing a swimsuit and you wear a pair of goggles. It's not like that, especially these days. You know, yeah. I just I just had to to order swimsuits for my championship team, and one swimsuit for one person cost six hundred dollars. You know, one, you know that's that's more than the the the, the shoes the basketball players are wearing or the or the outfit you know it's not a cheap sport anymore yes, yes. Yeah. wow so it it the way how i guess we could do this, I, I, we could go to this when you're competing have you applied some of those principles to how your coach as in say for example how you need to get ready mentally and i mean i'm sure it helped with your transition over there but could you talk about any of that like any of the, the tools that you've used as a competitor, as a coach now? Uh, you know, that's it's a tricky question to, to try to answer because even though I'm 
I'm nearly, I'm about 23 years into coaching now. I've had, yeah. I've had my time. I'm, yeah, I've been coaching longer than I've been swimming, I guess. So, yes. um, the experience that I have, I've had as a sumo, I try to sort of talk about, not to to be arrogant or yes. like, I used to do this, not not in that capacity, but you use the little experiences and the stories, and you know, you might tell a story about a race you had or a race you watched. Uh, because you were at an event and you know if you can you can tell it to the swimmers in a way that relates to a, a specific situation uh that's going on maybe in that practice or at that swim meet you know it might change the mood of the excitement level maybe they weren't so excited and all of a sudden you find something and then when you take it towards like a training side you talk about hey you know done been there done that kind of uh thing where you, you train you're going through a phase right now where it just doesn't feel really good but that stuff will go away, you know, after a couple more days, right. you know, after a rest day, after the weekend, because you have 48 hours of rest, you know, let's, let's push through this. You know, even today I was talking to some of the athletes in my group and I was, you know, they're saying, I'm tired, I'm tired. We have a swim meet on Friday. And I was like, that doesn't matter. Why even think like that? Everybody can put a hundred percent effort into something. The result might not be the best, yeah. but if you back off, um from the effort level then the result is going to be worse at least you can say you gave it everything you had and you've got a result that is uh specific to the time in your training training period now um uh, that's that's you know it's kind of one of my pet peeves of 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 being a coach is you don't back off a little bit because you're feeling a little tired you might back off the training and that's the coach's job to recognize that and take that away but you can still put in the best all-out effort you can into particular races and sets and all that. Because if you back down, then you're just you're not mentally toughening up. A, a little bit easier said than than done, yes. you know. <laughs> Especially coming from somebody that's not in the water and it's cold or they're hungry or whatever. But you know, if you just kind of repeat it and 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 tell a story, you know, explain something a little bit better. Maybe, you know, you see a, a teammate over to the side doing a lot better. You kind of, you know, hint to, hey, so-and-so mm. needs a little, you know, kick in the butt or, you know, a little motivational, let's go, buddy, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I don't know if that's kind of answering the way you say yeah, it, but, right. you know, we, men, being mentally tough is one of the hardest things to do. Um, but if you can just get one or two people to to jump on board and it does, then that's kind of like a lead by example. Somebody will say, well, so-and-so is doing well. I can do that too. So at, at your particular program, Sean, is the training, if you can give one idea of how the training is, is it as six days a week, five days morning, evening? So we have, because we own our pool, we don't rent it. It's on the, the site. We can do training whenever we want. So I, I can look at the team and, and say, listen, we have the ability to train every morning and every afternoon. And typically it's only a Saturday morning on the weekend, normally Saturday afternoons and all day Sundays off. Right. And we stick to that plan. So, but currently what, and we've, we've changed, we, we've evolved, I will say from year to year. Um, when COVID hit, you know, training all training across the world had to, yes. to, to change. And, right. you know, the, the, the funny thing was is that a lot of people ch changed the way they they structured their practice times and all that. And, mm -hmm. and, and they're like, whoa, why didn't we ever think of this before? And they've stuck to it. And that's something that we actually did where we changed our training uh, schedule up a little bit. But ultimately, it comes down to simply we go a double on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. 
on a single on um on sorry a single on Tuesday Thursday Saturday so you know Monday morning and afternoon Tuesday afternoon Wednesday morning afternoon Thursday afternoon Friday morning and afternoon Saturday morning and uh last last year we we actually doubled up on Monday Tuesday a single Wednesday a single Thursday so we gave them a full like 24 hours between Wednesday morning and then then uh Thursday afternoon practice and that's something you know we changed just to give them to sleep in a couple more mornings or or, or whatever when I first took the job at this particular place we were going every morning we only had Wednesday afternoons off so things change and things change not just because you know maybe the coach sees a different idea on how something should happen the reality is the kids are changing as well so you have to almost adapt a little bit to that I mean you can try to fight and hold on to your your old school methods where you got to go 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 all the time or you know you kind of back off you learn from that well we backed off the training hours per week and, you know, the results are still good because we're putting in more intense workout rather than more volume workout. And that's that's been a big change, I think, in swimming between when we swam and, and now where it's more intense training, meaning quality, not quantity, right. is, is something that's changing a, a lot these days. Yes, I, I find that, and in fact, I was speaking to Teddy, still around, by the way. Teddy. Uh, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy, Teddy my, my son goes down there to the Y on Saturdays, and he's uh. really, he swims at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll tell you this story, and then he does his class, 3, 4 o'clock, and then he does this class from 6 a.m. to 10, where he has all different individuals. He's teaching, he's, so he's effectively semi-retired, but he's still earning, and he's very happy. But I saw him one day and he spoke to me a lot about periodicity and periodization and uh, microcycles and basically effectively saying that he keeps telling people this stuff from he, when we were in it and nobody's listening to him, that they need to think about it differently. And uh, a concept of it is based on what I read anyway, is what you're talking about. You do Sometimes you do more intense stuff, you get a little break. And in fact, the rest helps you a lot. If you know what you're doing, you have to kind of know. And so is that is that something you incorporate as well? Or so, so when I set up my season for the college, uh, we I tried to set the um my swim meet. So we have over here we call dual meets. It's just also getting one other college and it's usually just a two or three hour meet. But you know, a lot of teams might just train through that you know i've been to some of those where i see the team that we're competing against getting out of a six thousand yard practice or two hour session they get half an hour rest and then they're racing and those are usually better teams that we're just off visitor and we're in the way kind of thing yeah. but i've also gone into swim meets where and, and i'm just like that you know some swim meets that we do we'll do a weight session in the morning and swim in the afternoon you know, or we'll do a very long warmed up, warm up, you know, just because we're, you know, we're not training. But we've also done sometimes some things where, you know, we'll actually rest the day before and treat it as a, as a, hey, let's swim fast here. And that's a little bit to get on the mental side of letting these kids feel like they're, they're getting a little rest. So when you're talking about periodization and all that stuff, I look at how my season and where my dual meets are. So, I have um like uh, this this year for example I had one in late September and it was like a two I was like a two or three week break before the next one then another two weeks before the next one and then it was like a five week period so if I look at that 
I know that first month I'm training hard, 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 trying to get these guys in shape and they're going to get excited for swimming. So, hey, let's back off for a day or two, get them excited. They're going to swim fast. And then we bump it back up again. And then we might come down a little bit. But then the next time a swim meet comes along. So there, there are cycles where people will say they'll go like three weeks on, one right. week rest, three weeks on. And yeah. there's, there's a million different ways. But yeah. you can't follow somebody else's routine unless you know what you're doing with your own routine. All right. So I do follow something like that. I don't think I've ever read a book or listened to a coach. I may yeah. have just gotten ideas uh, from myself based yeah. on experience from the previous year yeah. or just looking at the team and seeing how they're reacting to some good training and all that. But I do go up and down in phases all the time. And, uh, and, and, I, and I just looked at when is the next swim meet? You know, how much time do I have? I have a swim meet on, on Friday. We're going to go a little easy tomorrow. But next week is our last sort of full week, uninterrupted. we got nothing in the way. No days off because of national holidays. No swim meets, no nothing. We're going to go big next week. Because you know what? Five weeks after that, is our national championship. So it's our last opportunity to really get in some some yardage, some some good work, good training, you know, and hopefully nobody gets sick or injured or anything like that because they're going to miss out on, on probably one of the more important parts of the, the season, the last push before before the rest. So you, you're, it, the season lasts how long? It's long, man, because it's, um, it, it's a, it's a two-season sport, they call it in the college side. There's a there's the the fall and the winter. So we we start up uh, about the middle of September and it goes all the way till the early uh, the first weekend in March. So it's six months. It's about six. It's actually more like seven months, according to the rules. Now there's lots of places that they'll train prior to and and after and all that, and that's that's typical and normal. But the competitive side is about a six month period. That, that was my next question. When you get your uh, new recruits, the kids have to come in August to start doing something then? Or yeah. That would be ideal. Yeah, so the, the first day of class is usually about the third week of August or so. So, you know, most of the incoming recruits would have just come off of their summer training from their club side of things. Gotcha. So they probably only had a week or two off. So, you know, it's it's maybe... I'll communicate with a lot of them. If they're, if they're last last competition was you know a month before then hey they're going to join in right away and do everything we can to get in shape quick but if i have a kid that came straight off the plane from junior nationals or some futures meet or something which is only a couple of days earlier or if they're international if they're just coming straight off from their their country's national championship you know they have to be involved but i might back them off just a little bit right sure the Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> they're, 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 it's a long course pool you guys have there? Or it's, yeah, uh, we can uh, switch it back and forth daily if we want. So we have long course and short course. Uh, but we go long course for as long as we can. But because our pool is used for mo so many different groups, um, we rent to the high schools. They need short course. So as soon as they start up, we have to go back to short course. And then maybe on weekends, we'll switch it over to long course. Certainly during the Christmas break, we'll go long course and then short course the rest of the time. Uh, for anybody that's listening, long course means a long 50-meter pool like you see at the stadium. Right. And um, short course is yards. It's the only, only, only place in the world that they swim yards is America college system. Wow. So, I, you know, when you said short course, I thought you meant 25-meter pool. So thank mm -hmm. you for... 25 so. yards, yeah. 
25 yards. Yeah. That is a small pool, but it's, it works. Yeah. They, they it, make, it makes for a fast, exciting swimming. It's back and forth really fast. It, it looks very interesting. And the meets look very... I, I don't... The ones that, that I see in my feet anyway, they're indoors. So it, uh, it just looks all that... Yeah. It's a tight atmosphere and there's a whole lot of noise, invariably. And all sorts of things are happening. So it's very... Yeah. It's very interesting, and it looks like well, it seems a very good way to work when it starts and it turns. Obviously, I mean it's you know it's it, you know. Yeah, but, in in short course yards in college swimming, you have to fine tune the, the 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 fastest parts of the race, which is the start and the turn. And if you don't have good starts and turns, you get left behind, especially in the shorter events. But right. quite honestly, I, I the one event that I miraculously love to watch the most. If it's ever on TV or watching live stream, is is the longest, the longest um event, which is the the mile, yes. because if you have a a good group, eight guys in a pool racing against each other, I mean it's, you, you, the guy in last place at the start could be the winner at the end. You know, it's, it's kind of actually fun to watch, watch that the longer swims, the shorter ones are just they're over too quick. You know, yes. you want to play it in slow motion so you can analyze things, but um. Yeah, longer yeah. ones are good. Yes, it, uh, as I've really gotten older, I've appreciated that. And this business of what they call negative splitting, which, mm-hmm. again, means that you you could start, say, 103, and then you go 2-1, yeah. and then that last 50 might go in a minute. I mean, it's, these guys are really... And so we never appreciated that during swimming because that was a hard race to do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, 30 laps of a stadium pool. That's a lot of swimming. <laughs> do it. It's very unpleasant. Well, when very when you do it short course yards, it's 66 lengths of a short pool, you know, sure. so you lose track pretty quick, you know. And, uh, well, I tell you that, I was doing some swimming for recreation. I got busy doing a few flip turns, I think. <laughs> turns, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that, that's something I have to stay away from. Yeah. It's funny you're talking about like distance and sprints. Like my, my eldest daughter is into to, to cross country and track now. Yeah, yeah. And uh we found that when we were watching all the world championship events and stuff last year and you know, all the grand the, the Diamond League yeah. uh, competitions, we're watching all of those. The events we really got stuck on were the anything over, you know, the the fifteen hundred. Yeah, uh, we love to watch the you know the five k and ten k and all that stuff. It was yeah. just it was more exciting. The whole family actually just glued to the TV watching the longer ones. Yes, it, it's my uncle that, that got me yeah. hooked on that. Uh, yeah. My uncle, he's not so well now, but we used to. So my mother and my aunt, you know, you know both of them. Which I uh-huh. tell you, my aunt, they used to go to the Olympics. They they actually yeah. went to Atlanta and they went and they've been to a few others. And my uncle would go with them and he would always want to stay for these longer races, the ones you're talking about. And then yeah. what happens is, again, I don't want to bore people, but at the end of it, there's this big mad dash. You don't know who's going to win. It's it's, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's really kind of fascinating. And you know from an athlete I said, where do you find reserve to do that? You know? Yeah. You know, where do you but maybe I should ask you that. How do you and for for athletes that are different, that do different races, do you have to how do you, how do you structure that? I mean, I'm sure that's a skill. Like I am a four hundred free, and this person so, is a fifty. You know, it's interesting, Ryan. Like I, I, 
sometimes it's difficult to explain to an athlete, right? You try to put yourself in their situation and explain to them. And that might not work and you're just wasting your time, but at least you told them a story, all right? Yeah. You made an effort. But I try to find something they can relate to. And I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples here. Like I have a guy on the team this year that um, was a very good cross-country runner in high school. Yeah. All right. And he had to decide, do I want to go cross-country or swimming? And um, he ultimately chose swimming. But, you know, he probably could have gone fairly decent college as a, as a runner. So we put him in an event this year that he hasn't swum very often. He's like, man, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, listen, this is perfect. You're going into an event that's shorter than your cross-country race, which is usually a 5K, you know, so you're yeah. talking 15, 16 minutes for this kid. And now we're knocking it down to 9 or 10. It's yeah. exactly the same, but it's all condensed. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. I go, yeah. So you're going to go out hard and you're going to hold on for dear life. At some point, you're going to get really numb, but you're still going to have some fight at the end. You get yeah. it? Yes. <laughs> all right. You know, S simple like that. But then but then a lot of th other things that I've started to do a lot, um and you might know that i got kind of involved in crossfit a little yes, bit right? yes, yes. so a lot of the workouts in crossfit if you can if you know swimming and you know crossfit a lot of them you can kind of apply to the mindset of how you go about trying to pace your way through the workout right yeah. and um even though like i don't give my athletes the same exercises i do sort of have the, the same training idea right yeah. and in our gym at school, I bought a lot of these assault bikes. And um, it's like the worst thing in the world if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely will take your soul away from you if you don't know what you, what yeah. you got yourself into. Yeah. But we do the assault bike a lot. And eventually, I almost turn races, um, the assault bike workouts into, into races yeah. uh, where they have to kind of understand that if they go too hard, they're going to be crying within a couple of minutes. All right. Mm -hmm. But if they learn to pace it, you know, they will know that they can achieve the goal of the workout a lot better. And then if I repeat the workout a couple of times, you know, every other week or something, I'll do something similar. Um, they learn it. And then, you know, halfway through, you know, one of the sessions, I'll say, Hey, does this feel similar to this event that you've done? Yes. Okay. Well, now we're not in the water. Now you can kind of do it on land and get the similar feeling and you can apply um, the work effort needed to, to be better in the pool. It's not exactly the same, but at least mentally you can kind of prepare for it. So, you know, I, I try different things like that to, to, to explain how a race should be swam as well. Because, you know, some people will swim a race and, you know, they'll come out and go, man, I think I could have gone better. And I say to them, I say, probably not. You just went a lifetime best. All right. Mm -hmm. um, it feels good because you just had the perfect race, you know, and, and a lot of people need to understand that sometimes the perfect race is everything you got just because you felt like you can go better. You know, that that's a good thing. I won't take that away from them. But yeah, you just you did it well. But if a kid comes out and, you know, they swam slow and they they, they uh, the time was slow. And they're starting to kick things and un can't understand why they, they swam fast, you know. You have to deal with each one individually yeah. on that as to why that is the case. And then try to use use an example of maybe a teammate of, or something or or teach them, you know, you just split that ever so long wrong. And, you know, sometimes you just have to lie yourself as a coach and say, <laughs> and say listen, you know, you, know you, you just, you did this part wrong. Uh -huh. yeah. 
Right. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to be realistic and say, hey, well, you were sick all the last week and you decided to stay up late and, and play video games last night. You know, you just have to, or yeah, some, you, didn't, you didn't train over the summer, so you're still trying to get in shape. Some um, tough love sometimes. Yeah, the tough love part you have to, you have to bring up for, for sure. Definitely do. The you mentioned something, Sean. The, the what do you think of because we are when I when in my reading, I realized uh, there's a thinking that the VO2 max does not transfer from say riding or running to another's or to swimming, for example, to use that mm. as an example. What what are your feelings on that? I know retraining is go is is basically a complementary, a non-complementary factor yeah. in most sports. But do you, do you have any strong thoughts on? And these other things. I feel like I contradict myself when I when I was talking about the assault bike and and you're mentioning that now. Yeah, I I don't look at the scientific side of swimming very much. Yes. Right, I look at the the work effort. No, yeah. that's that, that's what I tend to do. And if I can't get it from the kids in the pool with the sets we're doing, I'm going to try and do it on land. And I use the assault bike as an example. Right, yeah. I've had. Some of my, and I don't want to call my, my athletes lazy, but I've had some people where I've had a set, uh, a training set going on, and I'm just not getting the results or the effort that I think they can do. Because, you know, you can back off and hide in the pool training, you know, yeah. and say, oh, I'm just feeling tired or something. But if I look on a, on a, on a computer monitor on a, on, a, on a bike or a ski or something like that, mm -hmm. I can look at it and go, listen, you, you you can't hide now. You're you're absolutely not putting in the effort in. I can change the effort in that they're they're giving me, and at least I'll get something out of that, you know. And and I say, listen, whatever you just did there is exactly what I wanted in the pool yesterday that you didn't give me. Don't tell me you're tired because you just did it here. So it's a learning tool as well. Unfortunately, when you ask me a question about VO2 max and and, and all that, I, I will flat out admit that sometimes I, I just don't look at the scientific side and be like, nah, I'm just looking at a kid and I know that they didn't do any training yesterday because it was an easy day. Today was a good day and they didn't put the effort in. They need to, to step up a little bit more. So you you do you do you do you advise doing running, riding, or how do you 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 like I, that sort I, of activity? Yeah. I'm a I'm a believer in cross training. Yeah, right, I, exactly. I, yeah, I I definitely I, I like it. I, I'm, that was the question you meant to ask. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely believe that that you know if you're just swimming up and down the pool for two hours a day every day, you know it can get a little stale. You know, so mm -hmm. just getting out of the water and and um and doing doing something. You know, I, I tell the athletes all the time, hey. We got 48 hours off. We'll use Thanksgiving as an example, okay? For, for us in the season, Thanksgiving is almost a, a hiccup in the season because I send them all home for four days or five days. and But I still have three weeks before our, our mid-season meet, so I don't really mind what they do during that time so long as they're active. So I tell all the guys, go surfing all the time, go riding, go play basketball, go to the gym, do whatever you want, just stay active. You know, and 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 at least they're getting a break from the swimming pool and getting just as well good training on the side, doing something different. And they're not stressing about a coach yelling at them. They're not stressing about teammates, you know, giving them hell for for not going fast. Or they can relax mentally as well, and that's probably the more important thing. So when you're talking about the cross training stuff, yeah, I think it's good. When I recruit, you know, so what other things do you like to do? Uh, you know, in your spare time, or oh, I like to play video games. 
And then another another kid might say, I like to play football. Which kid do you think I'm more interested in? You right, know? Right, yeah. Right, Somebody that's more active and athletic. So do you actively recruit? Or you yourself? Or do you have a team? Or I don't a know. A little bit. So my assistant coach does most of it. All right. Gotcha. Um, but I certainly identify it and, and look and, and try to talk to, to, to coaches a lot. Uh, with recruiting for Indian River, it's not not an easy thing to do because it is a junior college and most most people will say, well, I should be a D1 athlete or a D2 athlete and they want to go to a four-year school. Uh, so we, we do battle that a little bit. But um, we do have a tradition and a, and a reputation as well to produce and, and to have some good athletes in that a lot of times they come to us. Um, the unfortunate thing is a lot of kids will, will think that they're you know, at the level that we want. And, you know, we're turning people back all the time because it's, it's very, very competitive to get on the team. Um, and, I, you know, <laughs> we have a streak going, right. uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not jeopardizing that just, just out of, you know, some, some guy or girl coming along saying, well, I'm a hard worker and I deserve to be it, you know. Well, you have to produce the times mm -hmm. as well, buddy. Yeah, the next coach that comes along can break the streak. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> we need to say, is, well, the school is really, it's a wonderful program because it's over 40 years of uh, mm. basically titles in men and women and some yeah. of those years are straight. So it's a really wonderful thing. And D1 being Division 1 so and D2 Division 2, do you find that some of the times that your kids do would be on par with some of these? Absolutely, yeah. We we our team is actually pretty good. Like, um, we go to a swim meet in December every year that that has most of the the top Florida Division two schools in it. This year was off a little bit, but in the previous years there was at least three or four teams that are top teams in in Division two, uh, NCA Division two. And um, we compete against. We've beaten them. They've beaten us. But you know, we go back and forth. Um, so a lot of my athletes, when they leave here after two years, they're going to go where they fit in on the team best. All right. So so I, I can use just this past year's example. Sophomores last year are now, I have a couple athletes at University of Tampa. That's a top Division II program. Mm -hmm. I have an athlete at University of Alabama. That's a top NCAA Division I program. Gotcha. And then I have a lot that went off to NAIA school or other Division II at the lower level. They have to go where they're going to fit best. You don't. You're not going to come here and say, "Well, I'm going to make it Division One." Sure, you can make it Division One if you're at that particular Division One school's level. And there are there are Division One schools that we will beat regularly every day, and there wow. are Division One schools that will they, they, they will la laugh at us, you know. So <laughs> it, it, there's different levels within the division itself. So. Uh, I, I always tell the athletes coming to us, just make sure that when you're moving on from here, that you're going to a place where you're going to contribute and you're going to be competitive. Because you don't want to go there and not, not make a travel team or, or be the fastest person with nobody to train with. So the, the kids like from the Caribbean who are interested in going to Indian River or any you know, reputable program, what advice would you give them? You you know, I, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think a lot of times it's um, the advice I say is, you know, depending on where they're coming from, what kind of program is mm. that they have to accept 
and adapt as quickly as possible to the changes that they're going to do to the to the culture to the food to the the, the language to you know the way american kids are to mm-hmm. the the coaches i mean you have to accept that there is going to be a massive difference just like if some person came down to to your country and, and mm-hmm. joined in you know uh you're going to have to 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 jump on board as we say all right and um I think the quicker you can do that, the quicker you'll find comfort and, and acceptance in, in, in what you're doing. Um, and that's just from like a, a socializing thing mm-hmm. in terms of the training side of things. Like that probably the harder part where you have to know that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be training more consistent and it's not an option to, to miss because you're feeling a little tired. It's not an option to to walk in late um, to practices. You You have to be... You know, very self-disciplined. Not that you know anybody from the Caribbean is undisciplined with that stuff, but it's yeah. probably, from my memory as an athlete, there it's, pro- it's probably not as um, uh, maybe it's different now. But you know, you you could you could get away with that kind of stuff. Yes, there there's still you you still have some control based on again i'm i've been out of it so but mm. based on what i hear i mean as i said my son is just getting into it a little and then the big club now is oh dear tornadoes i think it's called uh which yeah. was jackie waters club you uh-huh. know jackie went to canada and oh yeah yeah we've been in touch Right. Yeah, Wendy Lee, Wendy Lee has taken over. Right. Yeah. She's a wonderful job. She's like the champ. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. really, it's very interesting. And uh, let us elaborate this point because the, this, the team that I, myself, and Sean was in at one point, YS Peters was the big team. Yeah. And then uh, Sean went to swim for Andrew Phillips's club, which was Flying Fish. Flying Fish. Thank you. Uh-huh. So. And there we are, this is the rivalry. And so it's, it's, it's very interesting. A right? big rivalry. Don't call it a little rivalry. <laughs> well, it's, you know, <laughs> it's like, really, it's, you know, Sean, I, I'll tell you, I've said this, uh, I'll say this publicly. Mr. You remember Mr. Alexander? I don't know if you, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. Mr. Alexander taught me how to swim. Yeah. I know business, and we were so, oh, we have to win. We have to win. All of us can win. It it sort of doesn't matter. It yeah. Mr. Alexander taught me to swim, and my father and my mother were saying, "Well, if he was, you know, he was going out of it." And then Andrew, he was getting old at the point when yeah. you know I got you know, and then Andrew came back from the Olympics and all that stuff, and did a wonderful job. But I I nearly I really would have ended up swimming for whoever Mr. Alexander's team, which was Flying Fish, yeah. which became, which, excuse me, Stingers, which became Flying Fish. So yeah. it's like, in my estimation, it's that it's good to have rivalry and competition is wonderful. And uh, I'm very grateful to swimming. I, you know, I never reached your level of being an Olympian. It taught me a lot of discipline. I met all these wonderful people. We're talking now. After yeah. you know, I mean, I'm seeing you. Then we have to come check you in person. <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it's like uh, these all these wonderful relationships. It's a wonderful thing in my life. I really, I yeah. Genuinely... I mean, and we we keep we keep in touch, you know, from all the days of you know, you know, swimming swimming at the stadium and you know how we used yeah. to hang out under the bleachers and some bad know. old days or real yeah. terrible swimming sessions and you know it it's. It's a, it's a really wonderful thing, and well, I, I think I, I'm boring everybody with all of this. So <laughs> let me ask you something. I guess I, I'll, I'll, I guess we can wrap up soon because uh-huh. I need uh, for you to 
being an Olympian, I think you alluded to this, versus doing your college swimming, was there any to get to that level? Because that is really the, the resistance. Everybody's trying to become an Olympian. Is there any great, you alluded to some of it, but any, any great difference that you see in your preparation to get to that level? I explain that question a little bit different. Like, what, what like, do you mean? Did like, you, did you have other than the intense training sessions? Anything else was required? Well, you mentioned that you had to travel before you went to the '96 Olympics, and you, yeah. you, you, at that time, did you think that what was different, and what did you have to do to get to the Olympic level? In your opinion, um, you, you know, I think I was fortunate, and people have been telling me for years that I was just a talented swimmer and, and a talented athlete, and and um, at the time you don't know it, you know. You, you, but when I look back and see what I, I, I did in terms of preparation for, for the Olympics, I know that when I came to Indian River, my level jumped right away. Right. right? Like I was lucky enough to go. And as soon as I got around people that were all training at a certain level, I got better right away, like automatic within weeks. Right. And then when I went to LSU, and then you, you you kind of feeding off that, you continue, and you're like, oh wow, you know, it's 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 fun to be able to keep up with these guys. Now let me see if I can beat them, you know. And then you're beating them, and now you get to another level. You join the LSU program, and you're at a completely different level again, because now you're not training with, you know, eighteen and nineteen year olds. Now you're training with twenty, twenty one, and twenty two year olds. You know, men now. All right, mm -hmm. so you're joining in with those that crowd, and then I got to a level where I was pretty good, and then all of a sudden that 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 realization that, you know, hey, I'm actually a competitor at this thing. You know, what do I need to do or what can I do? And more importantly, you know, for me, <laughs> swimming was all I knew. I didn't want to do anything else. You know, I, I still didn't like school. You know, I graduated, got my degree. I still didn't like it. Uh, I didn't want to work. I had the opportunity to, to continue to swim as my job. You know, dad was able to support and I was at at a level where it, it was worth it, yes. you know. So I just kind of continued along that streak along the way. And then, you know, you start competing against the best. And, you know, your level was always increasing or your level of um, performance was always getting better if you kept, you know, rising up to a level higher every time. I don't think there was any defining moment where I thought it was case, it was more that every time I did compete, I was um I was a competitor, and and so every competition that was at a higher level, I was still a competitor, and it just kind of kept going along those lines. Eventually, you get to a level where people are better than you, and you you're still trying, you're still trying to go hard, and you know I did it for another four years, and you, you're starting to fade, and then then the downhill side starts to come along. And um, then you realize you have to actually find a job and work <laughs> because because any any money you made in swimming is going to come to an end rapidly. There's no retirement savings, you know, on money you made from swimming. So yeah. I'm not sure if I answered the question right, but I but I but I definitely think um, when you're talking about the defining moment to become an Olympic athlete, I, I think I said at the start of this conversation is is um, I found consistency. Yes. And and mm -hmm. and that was the only way that would have ever happened, uh, because you form habits as well. And something that I think um, people people should do in, in health and all that is the best way to to um 
to get better at something or to improve on something is to, to, to get good habits, right? I mean, like if your bad habit is smoking and drinking or, or not doing anything, you know, that's, that's a habit that's just very, very hard to break. But if you get into good habits of like um, training or you like to go for a walk every day and to the point where like if you don't get to go for a walk every day, or you don't get to go swim some laps at a pool that you actually feel a little shaky, you know? Um, my bad habit or my good habit slash bad habit is that I wake up at four o'clock every single morning for no reason. Other, I mean, I have work or I go to the gym and even on days that I don't have either, I still wake up at four o'clock and I go fishing because that's my vent now, you know? So, yes. you know, mm -hmm. I think, I think, um, I think if you can get some good habits and, and so going back to what we were just talking about, mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, consistency. And when you have a habit of wanting to train and compete and all that, that that's where you find your defining moment because you actually really love it and you want to keep doing it. Excellent. Okay, mm. I thank you, you know, Sean. I think I just ask one more thing. I know you have to go, and I thank mm. you very much, my brother. No worries, no worries. <laughs> the, the the sport of swimming, I, I think, as we said, it's evolved. It's very wonderful and very been good, very good to us, and very good to and you you you've chosen this as a vocational career. Is there anything that you see where there can be improvements or things that irk you that you think could be done better generally? in the sport or things that they could do to improve and to make the sport bigger, if you will, things like that. I mean, if you're talking in general or in, in general, general, in general, in, in general, and uh, well, yeah. if, if what, what you, you can apply to, to Jamaica as well, I suppose. You know, I think there's always good. They're always trying to find ways to improve on, on things um, in the sport. And, and it's very difficult to find something make it that much better i can tell you that i am resistant to a lot of the in, the innovations that are yes. coming in uh i am resistant you know i mean if you think about the the blocks we used to start off uh, of a stadium when they were just yes. a flat surface you know now we have slants and then we added the wedge and then yes. we have the backstroke wedge and now we're doing this and that um all good advancement that's why swimming is getting faster so it's kind of contrary to what I'm saying because it's getting more exciting now because mm -hmm. it's becoming a lot faster with technology and everything. But at the same time, you know, you're making it that much easier to, to take away the athletic ability of some athletes, um, you know, where hard work works. Now, now we're going to add in something to, 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 to allow those guys that just are naturally athletic freaks to yeah. make it that much easier for them, you know. Yeah. Um, so to to make to make the sport better in advancements, you know, let let it happen, it, you know. And then us guys like myself, we just have to adapt to the times. No, gotcha. I don't see anything that can really be done to improve on this. I mean, it'd be nice if it became more popular. Um, oddly enough, when it's the Olympics, those tickets are sold out like first. Yes. But just to get you know good support. Um, throughout the year the other three years it's there's none so so whatever could be done to make it more popular they started this isl thing right. um which i think is working pretty good but um if you look at the the, the competitors in that you have to be an elite swimmer so what about little the like everybody else you know so isl that must be some kind of league then it's yes league. It's, it's it's a league no that's 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 very very good but you know it's uh, I don't, I don't even know. I haven't looked into it a whole lot, but I know it's going on, and 
um, it, they pay good money to the people that are that are there. But again, if you're there, you have to be a pretty good swimmer already. And if you're not that level, then you're you know you're you're getting washed away. I mean, like top ten in the planet, then you really have to be like. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, yeah, and, and it's almost like a draft. So, you know, if you okay. wanted Michael Phelps, you said, no, I'm done. Even though, you know, you'd be like, you go to the next guy, I want you, you know, but maybe yeah. he got drafted by somebody else. I mean, you could be taking the 50th ranked person in the end if you needed that person, but they're not going to score and make, make money very well. Gotcha. Um, I think that's how it works. Um, gotcha. But, you know, yeah, what to make make the sport better? I mean, if they could find out some kind of promotional way to just make it more exciting to the general public so that more money could go into it, that would be the best way. But that's that's a battle swimming has been fighting since our time. Exactly. So more eyeballs yeah. would mean more money yeah. for everyone, yeah. including yeah. the athletes, ultimately. So I agree with you on that point. I really mm-hmm. do. Yes, sir. Anyway, I, I thank you. I guess I'll let me hit stop here and tell you. Yeah.